0: Hope you had a good week and uh, that you are doing well and I think we had an awesome week last week and I want to just kind of publicly say thank you to our church and to those that worked and um, did a lot of different things around the property to to get things up and running and also to be greeting and to be in the coffee shop and to do the things that we were doing and that we continue to do but thank you so much for being a part of last week in the service and Again, thank you for being here this morning, and uh, we uh, wrapped up a, a series last week entitled um, "The Abundant Life." I couldn't, I completely lost my mind there, lost track there. But we wrapped up a series last week entitled "The Abundant Life," and we went for about six weeks leading up to Easter on different things, going from John chapter ten and verse number ten, where it speaks of having abundant life, and. Um, And we wrapped that up last week. And so I pray that that was an encouragement to you and your Christian walk. But this week we're going to begin a new series. And I'm entitling the series, His Glory. And um, I'll kind of explain where this came from and why we're going to be speaking on this this morning and really for the next uh, about six weeks itself here. But uh, I've been, our church would know this, but I've been... uh, I've traveled quite a bit in the, the beginning of this year and done some different things and really trying to, to get our church um, ready to do some missions work. And in May, the 17th and 18th, we're going to do just a small uh, missions conference type of a, a thing there on those two nights. It's a Saturday and a Sunday. And and um, and so I knew coming out of Easter that I wanted to do something, speaking with with missions and kind of gearing us towards getting involved with missions. And so as I was kind of praying and as I was thinking and, and studying and doing some different things, um, I was doing just a, a my regular daily devotion one day and I came across a passage of Scripture um, and it just spoke of, in John 17, it mentioned throughout this whole passage, Jesus is saying a prayer and it mentions glorify thee and talking about glory, giving glory to his Father. And I started to think of our lives and I started started to think of just Christ and while he was here and what his whole mission of being here was and then I it just kind of clicked in my mind that Jesus was here yes to to come and he died on the cross for the sin of man but Jesus was here really for this sole intent of glorifying his father he came here with no other purpose other than to, than to do what His Father sent Him to do and to glorify His Father. And so as I was thinking on that, and then I started thinking about missions, and I started thinking about me as an individual and as individuals in our church, I started to think, what if we lived our lives and everything that we did was set out to glorify Him? And so over the course of the next few weeks, I'm going to take this this idea or this theme of His glory, and I'm going to talk through it and I'm going to, Lord willing, it'll be an encouragement to us, but as we live our lives every single day with, with the idea of bringing God glory, I, I believe with all my heart, if we want to see transformation individually and transformation in our church, if we begin to live our lives with that as our sole purpose, nothing else but to bring God glory, I'm surrendering everything to Him to give Him glory missions is just going to be natural giving of ourselves and being servant minded and being who we're supposed to be as Christians is just going to be so natural. And if we want to see anything transformed or anything changed in our city and in our community or in ourselves and our homes, if we were to do this, one thing is give him glory with everything that we do. We will get to that place. And so as I started to think and as I'm just kind of putting this all together and kind of introduction as to, to what we're doing, I believe that this series that we're going to do in the next few weeks will help us and then we'll wrap it all together on that May 18th with the Missions Sunday. And with the intent, my goal is on, those, on that Sunday to, to present to our church a, a mission project uh, one that would be overseas, and then a mission project that would be here in our community, and then also present you an opportunity where you can sign yourself up to go with us to that, that place. And so I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm, I really pray that you would pray over the course of the next few weeks, and, and really that, that you would just ask God how you could be involved. And you may say, well, I can't go overseas. I'm not getting on an airplane, or I'm not doing anything of that nature. That's fine. You don't have to. Because your backyard is a mission field. The people around you are a mission field. And so we're going to do all of those things. We're going to talk about all that over the course of the next few weeks. And really, my intent and my goal is that we would really, as a church, live and and, and do all of these things for his glory and everything that we do in our lives. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be in John chapter number 17. And so if you want, you could go there with me this morning. But in John chapter number 17, really kind of a, a brief background, this is, this is really Jesus' last prayer before he would be arrested and before he would uh, go to the cross, which we, we dealt with that more last week. But Jesus in John chapter 17 is, is saying a prayer to his father, and he starts off and he, he is just really he's going to his father, He prays on behalf of himself, He prays for the disciples, and he prays for all believers. But um, we're going to talk in John chapter 17 this morning, and for the next couple of weeks we'll be in John 17, and then we'll go to a couple other passages throughout this series. But why don't we do this for the sake of, we haven't done this in a long time, why don't we stand to our feet this morning, and we're going to read aloud together, John 17, verses number 1, starting in 1 and just through verse number 5. And so why don't you read with me out loud this morning, John 17, starting in verse number 1. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Father, we thank You for the day that You've given to us again. God, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray this morning that Your Word would go forth. Father, that You would speak plainly and clearly Through your word this morning. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. And thank you for doing that with me this morning. In John chapter 17. We see a passage of scripture here. As I stated that Jesus is saying a prayer. And he's speaking back to his father. And this morning I'm going to. I'm going to start backwards. More than I I don't normally do this often. But I'm going to start with the end of this passage that we just read. And I'm going to just kind of talk to us. And then I'm going to go to. To the beginning in verse number one, but in John chapter 17 and verse number five, it says this, and now, O father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And you might go, what in the world? Why would you start in the back? Why would you start there? What is that? I want to talk about this and I wanted to to bring it down to to where we are. And I want us to really just stop and think this morning. This thought completely just kind of punched me in the face this week. If you've ever had that moment where you're reading and you've kind of studied or whatever it was, and you were just like, oh, that's kind of one of those light bulb moments. This moment, this was kind of one of those moments for me. It says this, "O, oh, oh, father, glorify thou me with thine own self. And this is what kind of hit me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So Jesus is on earth. He's stating a prayer to God and to his father. And he, he right before this, he says, father, I have done everything that you've put me here to do. And then the next thing that he says is give me the glory, which I had before the world was. Now, here's why this kind of struck me funny or weird. Jesus came to earth 100 percent man. But yet Jesus was also 100% God. And so I was reading this and I'm thinking, okay. But I never thought of this. I never thought of the glory of God in Jesus in this sense. And maybe I'm just a little bit slow and I apologize if I am. But as I was studying, as I was reading. The thought of Jesus Being God and having the full glory of who God was, but yet Jesus being man, I don't think ever just clicked with me. And here's why. And I'm grabbing the wrong thing. I need my notes, not my Bible. If I look and I was doing my study, it says... It's incredible or I'm just going to read some of this, but it's incredible to think that God, Jesus, left heaven, left glory to come to walk this earth, knowing the sinful condition that it was in, knowing the abuse that he would take, knowing all of those things. He left his glory. He left that so that he could be 100 percent man. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number six real quick. And here's why I'm doing this, and hopefully this will all wrap together and make sense to us. But if we read Isaiah chapter 6, the first couple of verses here, it says in Isaiah chapter 6 In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly and one cried unto another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and so if we read that passage of scripture god jesus the we we look at this he left that he left that to come to earth He left behind the glory beyond the brightness of a noonday sun. He left behind the glory that was more splendid than a rainbow in the sky. A glory not at all this world would ever know or understand. It's only in the Godhead would would they have known that. Jesus was a part of this glory before he left that to come to earth. Think about this. If we look at, uh, at Saul's transformation or Paul's transformation in Acts chapter number 9. Jesus is in heaven. Saul walking down the Damascus road. If we look in this passage of scripture, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse number uh, 3. And, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. The light, the glory of Jesus shined upon Saul, which knocked him to his feet. To where his life would never be the same again. If we were to go even a little bit further, if we were to go to Revelation chapter number one. We look in Revelation chapter number 1 and we see in verse number 9 it says this and I John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ or patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna. But as we continue to go, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me in verse number 12, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment, down to the foot, and girt about with the paps, with the golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. His voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And in verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars... Are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And you say, why in the world are you going into this? I'm just, all of this just kind of struck me as I was doing my study. Jesus Christ left heaven, he left that. He left that glory that when John saw and turned and looked and saw that that was Jesus saw God he fell as if he was dead. Paul when he was when the light from from God or when that light shined on him on that road to Damascus he fell at his feet as dead. One day we'll get to heaven and we'll see Jesus and we will do what we will instantly fall and we will bow and worship because of the glory of who God is. And yet here we see Jesus and this is and maybe this is just a free little tidbit in service but we see Jesus who is in John chapter 17 praying to his Father saying God I've done everything that you've called me to do. Can I have that glory back? He's ready to go back home. He's ready to sit on the right hand of his father. He's ready to be in heaven and to be in glory with his father. And he says, God, can I have it back? It just hit me like a ton of bricks this week as I was studying because Jesus, when he came to earth, was 100% man. And though he was God, He left all of that there so that those that walked and talked with Him wouldn't fall as dead, but that He could do what? That He could glorify His Father and He could present His Father. Otherwise, that never could have happened. And so as I was studying and as I was reading and as I was going through this this week, it just, the light bulb went off. I don't know what it was. But to just stop and to think, Jesus left all of that to come to earth to do what we we celebrated last week, which is the resurrection and the death and all of those things, which which what we did. But as we study this, over the course of the next few weeks, and we look at His glory, and we look at what it is that Jesus was called to do, and now what we are called to do in in His, and this is going to sound, but in His absence on earth, we are there for that now. It's now our job to glorify His name. That's what we're called to do, and that's the God that we are called to give glory to. And so as we look at this this week, and as we look at his glory, and I'm just, it's really a simple title because the thought is we're looking at Jesus Christ and how he was here to bring and honor and to honor and glorify his father. If we go to verse number one, we'll get into the points this morning. It says this, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, father, the hour is come glorify Thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Point one this morning is just real simple, but it's his hour. Jesus' prayer was that while he was on the earth, he glorified his father. The thing was, for the father to glorify the son, was for the son to glorify the father. The one went hand in hand. If you read that in the passage of scripture, for the the father, or it says... uh, The hour has come, glorify thy Son, and that thy Son also may glorify thee. The intent was that in the Son being glorified, the Father was then glorified. It was Jesus' plan, it was God's plan, that Jesus would be 100% man, yet show his divine nature without being 100% glorified as we just read. Jesus couldn't have came to earth shining bright. Jesus could not have came to earth with his eyes shining the way that we just read out of Revelation. He came to be 100% man. As we look at this passage of scripture, it says, Father, the hour is come. If we were to look back in John, this phrase has been mentioned a number of different times. In John chapter 2 and verse number 4, it said, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Jesus knew why he was here. He knew there was going to come the hour when he would have to face Judas and the men in that garden. Jesus knew the hour was going to come when he was going to be arrested. Jesus knew the hour was going to come when he was going to be beaten. Jesus knew the hour was going to come when he was going to hang on an old cross. Jesus knew that hour was coming. in John chapter 2, he says, woman, mine hour is not yet come. If we were to continue to go in John in chapter number 7, he says in verse number 8, go ye up. Unto the feast, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. He said it again. Listen, it's not my time. My hour is not come that I will go and be arrested. My hour is not come that I will be in that position. If we go to the next chapter over in chapter number 8, we'll see it again. In verse number 20. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. In verse 21, then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. But we see here throughout John and throughout the Gospels at different times, John says, or Jesus says, My hour is not come in verse number one of chapter number 17. Jesus makes it clear. Father, my hour is now. It is coming that my time, my hour is upon us. And if we were to read all the way through this and we were to go from the end of chapter 17 and we were to jump right into verse or chapter 18. Right there in 18, it says I don't know what yours. Mine has a little title description at the top of the chapter, but it says the arrest of Christ. Why? His hour had come. And it was his hour to do what? That his son, that Jesus would get glory. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son. Why? So that you then can be glorified. God, it is my time. God, my hour is here. God, I am ready. I've done everything that I can do. I'm uh, everything I am in. Have you ever met somebody that's fully in on anything? Where they have signed, sealed, delivered. It's there. I've committed to doing this. I I am committed. Jesus was fully committed. He knew that in the days to come, in the hours to come, what would take place. But yet in this moment, he's saying his prayer to God and he says, Father, my hour has come. I know this is about to happen. But he says, glorify me, glorify thy son, that I would then glorify you. Hey, in the midst of this hurt that I'm about to take, God, bring glory to yourself. God, in the midst of this trial that I'm about to face, bring glory to yourself. God, in the midst of all of the people that I love and all the people that I came to that are all going to abandon me and they're all going to turn their back on me. Peter's going to deny me and everything that's going to take place. Father, all of this is going to happen, but bring glory and honor to you through me. Listen, though we speak of Jesus and Jesus here as he's coming was about to face the cross. The cross wasn't what we look at today. The cross wasn't a cool little pretty thing that's hanging on a wall. The cross in that day, the, the Greek cross, the Roman cross, what we're talking about, that Roman cross was nothing but death and shame and all of those things. The only people that went on that cross were those that were murderers and, and, and angry, hurtful, evil people. And here's God. Jesus saying, God, my hour, Father, my hour is come. Glorify me in you. On that cross. That I'm going to be spat upon on that cross where I'm going to be between two thieves who deserve to be there on that cross where I'm going to go stand where Barabbas is going to be let go. God, glorify me that I would glorify you. Today, we look at a cross and. Do you like the cross that was hung on the wall last week? You like that? Rustin did an awesome job. But we look at a cross, we hang it on our neck, we do all kinds of things, we put them everywhere. That's a beautiful symbol to us. That wasn't the case. And I'm sure you've heard somebody say it in the past and you've heard different preachers say it. We don't hang a noose up there, a gallows. We don't put a electric chair hanging on a wall. Why, we think of those things as what? Those are torture. Those are death. Those are things that we assemble that. That's what this was. But why is it up on a wall? Why do we wear it around our neck? Why? Because on that cross, Jesus hung and brought glory and honor to his Father. That's why. That's why we can celebrate Easter last week. That's why we can do all the things that we do as Christians. That's why we can, we can have an abundant life that was preached on the last few weeks. Paul says in Galatians 6 and verse number 14. Is that up on the screen? But God forbid that I should glory Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Man, It is our duty. It was Jesus's job. It was his why he came. It was what he did that his hour was come that he would glorify his father. The next point is this is his power. We see that in verse number one, the hour had come. In verse number two, it says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. When we were, when I looked through this passage of scripture, he was given power over the flesh that should give eternal life. He had power. Think about God, think about Jesus, think about the power that he had. Let's just kind of go through some scripture. He had power over the fish. You go, that's kind of weird. Yeah, but think about the power God had. Fish. There's a the story in the New Testament of fish. Where the disciples are out fishing. These are professional fishermen. They find nothing. They catch nothing. They're, You know what? I'm done. I'm going in. Jesus says, no, go and cast it out on this side. What happens? The fish jump into the net so much so that they can't even bring it on board. He had power over the fish. You go, that's kind of silly. Yeah, it kind of is. He had power over the fish. How about the time when the fish was brought up with Coins in the mouth. That just randomly happens? No, that's God who has all power. Okay? He has power over fish. You serve a weird God. How about this? He has power over the beasts of the earth. In Mark chapter 1, we see that he was with the wild beasts alone as the angels ministered to him. When he came into Jerusalem, he did so on an unbroken wild cult. Okay, well, anybody can do that. How about this? He told Peter. What did he tell Peter? You will deny me how many times? Three times. At the end of the third time, the cock will crow. I don't know about you, but I can't control when the rooster is going to make his noise and do what he's going to do. No, but there was no sooner than Peter had denied Jesus than the cock crowed. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. That's called the power of God. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture and we see, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give unto life, or that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Yes, he had power over the fish of the sea. He had power over the wild beasts. He had power over the fowl of the air. But he had power over flesh. It was the plan that Adam, the first man, would have extreme power and authority over man to rule over the planet. What did God do when he created Adam and Eve? When he created Adam, he brought all the animals to come by and he named them. He gave him dominion over all of those things. He gave extreme authority over the flesh. Think about today the power that we as people have. Or think we have. Why? God gave us that. He set in motion governments. He set in place all of these things. He gave us that. We also were given through Christ the sovereign God. Where he gave the power to give eternal life, and he's praying to his father, and he says in that verse, first verse, "The hour has come to glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may also glorify Thee, as Thou hast given Him power over the fi- the flesh, all, over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him." And in verse number 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Jesus is praying to His Father, and He's saying, God, You've given power over flesh, that He should give, You should give that eternal life to as many as Thou hast given. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, The only true God and Jesus Christ. Why? Jesus Christ was sent to earth to proclaim and to push forth who his father was. Jesus was sent to earth not to give himself honor, but to show, hey, that's God. Hey, that's my father. That's where glory is due. That's where honor is due. Bringing honor and glory to his father. When we look at our lives and we we take a step back and we begin to look at who we are and we look at this, we look at Christ and his power and all of these things. We see. This life. We see this power. And he gave power. Over. All of that. We see the next point. I kind of got ahead of myself. But the next point is his life. Not only did Jesus have power over flesh, but he had power over life. Not just any life, but everlasting life. I spoke of this last week. God has chosen us in Christ and Christ has given us life without end. The saving faith that we talked about last week, the idea of Jesus Christ dying on that cross, that we could have hope of eternal life, the idea that it is the resurrection in life, Which we spoke about. Sadly. There are many who claim to know God. Yet do not know Christ. They deny the deity of who Jesus Christ is. Saying he is a prophet or a great teacher. But never accepting that he was the I am. That he is the giver of life. The one that we see here who has power over not just flesh. But over eternal life. To claim to know God, yet to deny Jesus Christ's deity is fatal error. When we look at this whole idea, when we look at the thought here that the hour had come, why? To bring glory to his Father. To, that he would have power over flesh to give life everlasting. To give eternal life. And lastly, in verse number four, his purpose. It says in verse number four, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. What was his work? His work was to to point to his Father. What is our work? Our work is to point to our Father. Our work is to bring honor. Our work is to bring glory. Our work is to do all of that for Him. My job as the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church is not to shine forth as the great Aaron Flanagan. My job is to bring and to teach and to point you and anybody who would adhere directly to Him. If I point you to me, I have failed, I've done the wrong thing, and I need not be here. My job is to point you to him because it's not about me. It's not about a man. It wasn't about that. It was about bringing his father glory and honor due his name. That's why he came. It is our job to bring him glory. The purpose of. Jesus' whole intent of being here on earth is stated clearly in verse number four. I glorified thee. I have glorified thee on earth. I finished the work thou gave me to do. He's praying to his Father God, I came for one purpose. I came to teach and to point people to you. He did what? He grabbed and he gathered his disciples and he taught them and he pointed them where to his father. Everywhere that he went, he would teach the multitudes and he would gather as thousands of people would follow him after he had performed a miracle or after he would do anything. They would come and he would say what? Hey, you know what? If you love anybody more than me, you can't follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And people would just turn around and go, wait a second. I can't do that. I can't surrender everything to you. What was he doing? He was pointing everything back to his father. What would I do? What would many of us do? We would say, man, look at all these thousands of people. Man, I've arrived. Look at where we are. I've got thousands of followers. Jesus stopped, said, time out. Hold on. It's not about that. I did that miracle to point to him. I did this thing to point to him. I made the blind to see to point to him. I allowed the deaf to hear to point to him. I came to the cross to point to him. Everything that was done to point to him. Not just to get a huge gathering. No, because you follow me. He said, follow me. Hey, disciples... Leave everything that you have and follow me. Hey, Aaron Flanagan, leave everything that you have and follow me. Am I more important to you? Or is that more important to you? Hey, Aaron, is this thing over here more important to you? Is your job more important to you? Hey, it says, he said, leave it all behind. Follow me. Why? Because he was doing what his father said. He was bringing honor and glory to his father. He was bringing him glory. It wasn't about, it's it's not about me. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gave me to do. Here is where I'm going to bring this all together and kind of wrap this up. This thought for me, when I studied that verse number five, and as I was kind of studying through this, of God and, and Jesus and the glory of, of what heaven was and who they are and, and understanding, if, we've, if you've read any of the uh, prophetic chapters or if you've read in Revelation, understanding and knowing that it's, it's not the sun that's going to give us light in, in heaven. It's the brightness shining through Christ. The glory of God that he left all of that and he came to earth. And I've questioned and I've wondered and I've said this so many times in my mind and I've probably said it out loud. How is it that so many people sat under the teaching of Jesus Christ yet would look at him? And completely walk away. It was God. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. How in the world can I come and sit? Could you sit under? If I am, I know this is hard to do. I am now Jesus talking to you and teaching you. And you're going to look at him just like many of those did. And you're going to go, eh, he's a great man. He's a great teacher. He's not God. And I racked my, I've racked my brain so many times thinking to myself, how could they have done that? Here's how they did that. Because he left the glory in heaven. And he came and was 100% man. Though he lived a perfect life. He didn't come in all of his glory. The eyes weren't what we just read in Revelation. The sun shining through him wasn't what we, we have read in, in the different passages. He, he, he came as a man. And so as coming as a man, people would see him and people would say, yes, he's a great teacher. Yes, he's a great this and yes, he's a great that. But yeah, not the son of God. Yeah, he's, he's not all of those things. The religions today, you go to uh, go into the, the, the Islam, they'll tell you they believe in God or Allah. But they don't believe that Jesus Christ. Is deity. Jesus Christ is God. They believe Jesus is what? A great teacher. He was a prophet. Yeah, he was a great Man. Many of these other false religions would say he's a great man. But he's not God. In that day, they would say he was a great man. But he was not God. I, again, maybe it's it just me and maybe it's a weird way that it kind of hit me this week as I was studying, but. Many times I've said to myself, "How in the world did they people walk and talk with him, and have relationships with him? But yet they just they didn't grasp. But that's God, because God came, Jesus came as one hundred percent man. Yet he was one hundred percent God. We can't grasp it. We can't fathom it. But that's who he was. To do what?" To bring all the glory and honor to his father. Who would all the glory and honor have been to? If Jesus came shining. Eyes as we spoke. Feet as brass and all the things. Where would the glory go? Where does the glory go? Right to him. Jesus came to bring honor to who? His father. He came to give him glory. And so this morning, as we close up, and as we wrap all this stuff together, and as we looked at Jesus Christ, and there's so many other passages of Scripture that we could read that would would say that, you know, Jesus, even Jesus going and praying in the Garden of Gethsemane when He prays, and He says, Lord, if it be Your will, take this cup, but if not, I'm here. We could go to so many different passages of Scripture, but He came. But as we close and as we start into this series of his glory, let me ask you. I'm just going to go right at the very beginning, at the very basic. But do you know Christ as your savior? Have you came to the place where you have surrendered your life to him? I said it last week. I've said it many, many times. If not, can I beg you that you would do that? Christian, let me ask you this. Are you living your life in such a manner that it is about His glory? Do you live your life surrendered for His glory? If not, let's ask the question, what is it that needs surrendered? What inside of your life needs surrendered? What needs to go? What part of your home, so to speak, which closet is it that needs to be surrendered to Him? So that you would bring him the glory that he's called and that he's due. It is my job. It is your job. You profess Christianity, many of us. It is our job as we profess Christ in our life to bring him glory and not myself glory. It's real easy for all of us to stand and profess and bring ourselves glory sometimes. But the job of a Christian, the goal of a Christian, everything that we're placed here to do is not for you to get glory, but for him to be honored and for him to be glorified. And so let me ask you that question. What needs to be surrendered? What is it that you need to give up so that it would be for his glory? This morning, we're going to have a verse of invitation in just a moment, as we do every single week. I don't know if how God spoke to you this morning. Maybe it's just simple of thinking back and really just reminding yourself of who God is. The glory that God is. Maybe it's having never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're a Christian who needs to remind yourself, needs to come back to a place of surrender so that your life would bring Him glory whatever it would be this morning, could I have every head bowed and every eye closed? I'm going to ask those two questions one more time. The first one is going to be this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you accepted Him? Have you surrendered everything to Him? The next one, Christian, are you living your life in such a manner that everything is about His glory? If not, what is it that needs to be surrendered? What is it in your life that needs to be surrendered?